It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. Thanks for being with us today. I am one of the certified financial planners on the show. I'm also your host. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. You know, sometimes it feels like the finance industry has an acronym for everything. Even on this show, you hear us talk about IRAs and HSAs, AGI, TOD. Go right on down the line. OMG. There you go. Uh, Would you (laughs) get to the point ASAP? That's right. The the point, though, is we've got another one to give you today. Do you know what an ETF is? And more importantly, do you know whether or not it fits in your financial plan? By the end of today's episode of Wise Money, you will. He said ETF, not... All right, if you have any questions, reach out to us. You can do so in a few different ways. Wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us online. You can submit a question right there on the right as well as listen to previous episodes. Find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter. The YouTube channel has every show as well. You can leave comments there. You can catch up on previous episodes. Just search Wise Money Radio. And lastly, call or text 574-222-2000. You can submit a question right there. Call or text 574 574- Two 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 thousand. We are launching today's program with a question from Gary. Here's what he asked. Gary's 53 is from Granger. Is it better to invest using mutual funds or exchange traded funds? My financial advisor uses mostly active mutual funds, but I have a friend at work who's telling me exchange traded funds are better. Okay. Interesting. Good, que- good question, Gary. I, I like the question because it... Um it opens us up to be able to maybe even just teach what mutual funds and ETFs are for for starters. I actually tried to teach this to my kids and failed miserably. Explaining what a mutual fund is to yeah. a child, that's, right. it's pretty tough. Hey, you want to make your kids mad? Yeah. Explain to them what taxes are and how those work. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes me mad when I explain it to them. <laughs> so I, I think, but in, before we would even define what a mutual fund is or an exchange-traded fund is, I would want to just get above the fray a little bit and explain what a tool is. Because a tool is something that you use to do a job, and a mutual fund is a tool, and an exchange-traded fund is a tool. They're similar tools. So if you went and looked in your financial toolbox, you might see them on the same shelf. But I am always leery when someone uh, walks up and says, hey, the pipe wrench is superior to the hammer. And and no, 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 my favorite tool is the crowbar. And I say, well, guess what? If you have different jobs to accomplish, different tools might make sense. So people say to me, oh, I hate annuities. Don't even use the A word around me. And I say, well, that's curious. It's just a tool. Mm. And you can use a, a good tool for the wrong purpose. That's right. and and uh, Which is why some of these, especially that A word, get a bad rap because right. a lot of people have – you have sold them and used them for the wrong job. Use the tool from the, for the wrong job, so you say that tool's bad. No, 
Right. So a certified financial planner is an artisan craftsman in the financial planning space. We don't. We have our preferred tools and tool set, but we are not opposed. And and I can see the glory and the uh, incredible use of various tools. So if you said to me, "Hey, I love mutual funds and hate ETFs," I'd say. Good. Life isn't going to treat you well as a hater, but good for you. (laughs) And and if they said, oh, ETFs are the way to go, and I'm going to get a vanity license plate saying ETF, uh, good for you. Uh, Good on you, you know? Great great analogy, Kevin. And it's interesting because I've actually heard our own Josh Gregory talk to me about, you know, what you're you're in your fifth or 18th year of your remodel, your rehab. (laughs) And, but you've talked about, you've, you've actually said, I had this job to do. I was doing this over the weekend, but I got the right tool, yeah. and it made the job easier. Oh, yeah. All the hard projects in the past, it was either lack of skill or lack of the right tool or sometimes both. And uh, having the right tool matters when you're building a house or building a retirement future mm. or building a college fund for your kids. The right tool matters. And and you need to educate yourself on all these different types of investment Vehicles and I'm just dying to say one more thing because there are certain radio personalities that really hammer certain tools, uh, and they might, and especially you put the screw to it. Well, um, <laughs> you're you're really uh, ratcheting up the uh, <laughs> oh, the no. vitriol on the show. But uh, here's the deal: the especially when it comes to life insurance, and I'd say the different types of life insurance, they're just different tools. So don't get mad at one and fall in love with the other. And it's not bad if you only need one kind of insurance. Get that. Mm-hmm. Good for you. But you, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to hate, therefore, all other types of insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, Gary still asked a great question, though. And sh- should you use mutual funds? Should you use exchange-traded funds? What are they? You need to know for your own financial life as well. Um, think of a mutual fund as an investment tool where you can entrust money into the capable hands of a professional money manager. Someone whose job all day every day is to decide how your money should be invested. And they're doing that by pooling your money together with uh, the money uh, of thousands of different investors. So there could be millions and millions of dollars in this pool. That's a lot of money to go work with, to go pick individual stocks with or individual bonds. And their job is to make wise choices on your behalf and on my behalf so that our investment dollars can be growing for whatever goal we're, we're trying to achieve in our financial life. Mm-hmm. So think of a mutual fund as a team of people that are working on your behalf. And not all of them are great. Some are mediocre, and there are some that are just flat out bad. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, having a methodology or a system for picking great mutual funds is really uh, one of the ways that a certified financial planner can be serving you well, because they're going to make those recommendations in the context of your financial plan within uh, view of the goals that you're trying to achieve. But how does that contrast with an exchange-traded fund? So an exchange-traded fund is, is, is a similar pool of dollars that investors or consumers are entrusting to a professional to manage in a certain way and on the exchange. But the professional, a lot of times with an exchange-traded fund is 
an algorithm or a computer model where the exchange-traded fund is just intended to follow an exact specific recipe, following a certain sector, a certain index, and and there's not as much. There can be some, but there's not as much active training and decision making. Well, give an example of that. You know, the the most famous and the oldest uh, index in the stock market is the Dow Jones Industrial Average which is really only 30 stocks in the in the investment world. It's 30 stocks that are being tracked every single day and reported to you on the news. And you can buy an exchange-traded fund that mimics that basket of stocks. In other words, if the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up on a day, this basket of stocks should be up the same way because the exchange-traded fund has gone and purchased those 30 stocks for you. You can own them yourself. Now, the interesting thing, though, is you can have mutual funds that are index funds. I actually think, Gary, that's probably that's probably his question. Mm-hmm. Should I use active managed funds or should I follow an index? And it is important to note that if you just want to follow the index, if you say you can't find good active managers, mutual funds over the long term can't outperform the index and you just want the index, be careful of assuming that exchange-traded funds are the only way to go. Now, we use some exchange-traded funds. I, again, it's like Kevin said, these are tools. I don't like or dislike either one. You got to find the right uh, tool for whatever the job is. But there are a lot of indexed mutual funds that there's no commission to purchase them or sell them, and the internal cost of them is cheaper than an exchange-traded fund. Right. And so, really, if you're looking at the difference you'd look at a mutual fund trades at the end of the day at 4 p.m. Yep. An exchange-traded fund trades throughout the day during market hours. And so if you want to have great control over exactly what price you sell at or what price you buy at, consider using an exchange-traded fund. So if you're very, very intentional on that, and we've got some strategies where we have been, that's what we've used. Right, but other times we've used mutual funds if they it, because it trades at the end of the day, and we'd rather have a little more control on price. A little bit more to answer here, Gary's question, as well as what do you think actor William Shatner says about his best investment and his worst investment? We've got that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What is your best investment in your career? What's your worst? We're actually going to reveal William Shatner's answer and then have a little fun with that. And uh, we'll all talk about it as well. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very, very much. Once again, if you have a question, we're doing nothing but questions today. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. And you can call or text us, 574-222-2000. With any question, any issue, whatever, call, text, 574-222-2000. So let's just put the wraps on this. Gary was the first question. He's 53 from Granger. Is it better to invest in mutual funds or exchange-traded funds? We said those are tools. 
You need to figure out what the job is and then pick the right tool for the job. What else would you add to answer Gary's question or anyone else who's pondered the same thing? So the only thing I would add is a mutual fund has a charter. This is what it's supposed to be invested in. And an ETF is the same way. So if it's if it's the if it's 600 small stocks, it's going to be a, a, a small stock index. If it's 500 large US stocks, the S&P 500 index. So it's going to be an index within the so if you invest in that, you're going to get very, very, very close to the results of the index. And if you're satisfied with that, then um, that's what you should do. Realizing that within that index, so just the S&P 500, through the end of July, uh, consumer discretionary things that I can choose to buy or not to buy are up 13%. Technology is up 13%. You say, oh, woohoo. But Consumer staples, the stuff that I have to buy to run my household, are down 5%, and telecoms down 6%. And if you had AT&T stack, it's down 20%. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is where you, you, don't, you didn't avoid the sectors and segments of the market that are underperforming. And so this is where I would say you, what you have to do is figure out what your investment philosophy is and then what are the tools that will help you accomplish that. Yeah, and how you piece those tools together matters as well because uh, whether you're choosing uh, actively traded mutual funds uh, or or these more passive exchange traded funds, you can make a bad purchase. There are some bad funds out there, or you can, uh, you know, look back on the recent performance and think, oh, those investments that are up 13%, mm. that's what I need to load up mm. on. And you may be buying just the wrong stuff because you're not taking a disciplined approach to picking the investments. So how you piece these investments together matters, and uh, taking a disciplined approach is something that a certified financial planner will help you with. Um, in in your financial planning. It's funny because Josh said you can make a bad purchase of these and people are thinking, how in the world can you make a bad purchase? But to me, the easiest example is I had this uh, prospective client come in, showed me his brokerage statement, and he had used a leveraged ETF and he was on the golf course and his buddies told him, hey, you need to uh, make a bet on oil, and but if you really want that bet to pay off, you um, double use, down, yeah, or you could even triple down. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! And if you can, if you Google it, four times leverage is here. Velocity shares, woo! So it, it, you could make a horrible decision if you're not careful and not really even realize yeah. it. Yeah, because no one ever pulls the trigger on that believing. It's a horrible idea. Right. Mm-hmm. You, right. you believe that after the fact. <laughs> uh, that fits right in line in the kind of the theme of questions recently. Actor William Shatner, Star Trek guy, Hollywood personality. I we I was confessing on YouTube, I've never seen anything that he's in. Ever, ever. And I know he's super famous. But he was asked what his best investment was. And what his worst was. Kevin, uh, recap. So what, what, do you, what do you share? So his best investment was a car. So he had made... What? Dave Ramsey is 
freaking out. Oh, yeah. Dave doesn't like a, a car being called an investment, and <laughs> nor do I. It's right. a depreciating asset. So, But he had borrowed a couple $200 from his dad, and he'd saved $200. He got in his car, drove to Toronto, and that's where he started his acting career. Now, that is interesting, as long as we're getting into the interesting part. Um, earlier, um, he had saved $500, and he had heard that uranium was really, you know, the next big thing. He put his entire $500 into uranium company stocks and um, that he was going to use the proceeds of this to go to New York and start his acting career. And by Friday, uh, the Canadian government announced it wouldn't be buying any more uranium. He lost his entire $500 and didn't get to move to New York. I'm just going to tell you real quick, a lot of people have the question, when I'm investing, can I lose it all? Could the stock market go to zero? If you're going to gamble, which is I'm going to put all my money on this company or on I'm going to I'm going to uh, quadruple down on oil. Yep, you could lose it. You could lose it all. If you're using mutual funds diversified approach, essentially we'd have to have financial Armageddon, meaning you wouldn't be able to go to a grocery store because grocery stores wouldn't exist anymore. And even if they did, there'd be nothing in them because there's no businesses to put stuff in there. If that, if you say, yep, that could totally happen tomorrow, well then yeah, the stock market could go to zero. But as long as you believe there will still be business out there, the stock, a diversified portfolio won't go to zero, but those things could. But that wasn't his worst investment. No, no, and this would be a surprise to most as it was a surprise to me was his Priceline stock. So you- That's ironic. Depending on your age, you may remember him from Star Trek or you may remember him as the Priceline guy. And he made a ton of money as the Priceline guy and they paid him a, a, a lot in stock. Yeah. Hmm. And so the stock was going crazy and this is when you had- Pets, anything that said dot com was getting lots and lots and lots of money, and it created an incredible bubble. When the bubble burst, the value of his shares basically went away. And in this article, they asked him how much he'd lost, and he said it was in the millions, but he didn't want to calculate it because it hurt his feelings. Hmm. And I, I think that there's some wisdom in that. Don't don't keep score of that. I. I have yet to meet the person who's not made a significant financial mistake. Mm. Okay. So, so what you have to do is get over it. Get uh, get over your financial mistakes. Don't don't count the millions that you've lost. And um, so are are we gonna? Yeah. What's what? So what's your best? What's your worst? And in the in in that context, maybe what's your worst or your best? Go ahead. So I was thinking about this. My best. I tinkered in real estate, which. Um, and it's still, uh, I would, I don't, uh, anymore for the most part. And I've tried to simplify my life, but in 2011 or 12, the banks were just owned tons of houses because the people that were supposed to own them didn't. And I bought a house for 55,000 and sold it a few months later for 95,000. And so that it just, if you look at just dollars, that was, Hmm. That was a, that was a good investment, but my really my best investment was early on in my career. 
there was a guy named Tom Pulaski who still lives in this town and still practices, and he was the guru of financial planning and was pretty kind of famous guy even across the company. And I had a chance to go work for him and uh, do some analytical work and learn how to do financial planning from him. And that has paid off in spades over and over and over and over and over again. So the best investment, as far as I can tell, was the investment that I made in going to work. Because I told Tom, I said, hey, look, Tom, I'll, I'll work for you for free. Yeah. And I spent a couple of days a week for about six months working with Tom, and uh, it, it was great. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say my worst investment were all those hockey and baseball cards that I bought as a kid. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My parents are probably freaking out. I asked my brother. My brother ended up buying my parents' house when they moved to Florida and retired. And I asked him recently, hey, do you, you still have all those baseball cards, you know, and hockey cards? He gave them away. You know how much money was spent on those? How many Christmas presents? I could have had something else, but I asked for those. Terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible investment. But we, at least you had the gum. <laughs> that's that's right. terrible gum. And somehow I still have most of my teeth. All right, we've got a lot more to hit here coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you manage the, the delicate issue of seeing your aging parents struggle with money? When do you assert yourself? How do you do it? What do you do? We've got that great question from Jack coming up in just a moment. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group in the KFT studios. My name is Mike. Across from me, Kevin. Between us, Josh. Thank you, Bethel College, Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have any questions, today's show is nothing but questions. You can reach out to us a few different ways. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. And you can find us on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. The YouTube channel has every show. You can subscribe and watch it that way. Just search Wise Money Radio. Well, we were just talking about William Shatner's best and worst investments, some things to learn there. I shared my worst investment was all those hockey cards as a kid. Josh, best, worst, what can you share? I actually borrowed money to make my best investment ever. Whoa. So I use leverage. I even conned my parents into co-signing on a loan so that I could, I could make this happen. Oh my goodness! I, I don't know. You know what I, it was? No, it's not my college degree. Although that may have been number two, my wife's engagement ring. Oh, Josh! And I share that because I want state. it to be known who is the most romantic of the three of us <laughs> oh, here. My word. And he also that isn't is shy about how Andrea consistently <laughs> listens to the show. That's so. right. And now my kids are listening to the show. So That's great, man! I gotta impress my kids sometime. Way to go! No, seriously, I, that actually genuinely is my answer. Yeah. And the the reason is maybe I'm I'm a little bit skewed in my thinking because. I just read a book that Kevin actually turned me on to called The Defining Decade. And it's basically a book all about uh, how the decisions we make, our approach to the decade of our 20s, 
sets us up for great success, great satisfaction in life to come. And, you know, a lot of people are taking a pretty haphazard, wandering approach to their 20s. And and I'm joking at some level, but I, I really am serious. If I think back on best decision, best investment, who you choose to marry matters, according mm. to that that book. And I, I hit the jackpot with my wife. And you know who you have in your life to uh, make make life secure for you. Mm. I think makes a big difference. It's if if you think of it as all of the rewards and the benefits that have come from having the right people in your life. And I, I put you guys in that category, not to get real mushy and heartwarming, but. You know, a Still different. For my ring. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, right. A, a different triad. <laughs> I'll take your gold tooth. <laughs> a different triad of uh, of business partners would would be different. You know, you you guys are the the right mix. But um, I don't know if, if you think of an investment as something that will pay dividends for the rest of your life. Some of those just key decisions you make in life really matter. And that, that has financial planning. I'm tempted to change my okay. answer. No, okay. Do we need can, answer? Me, can you ask me a question again? <laughs> okay. I do want to change my answer though, because it turns uh, out as I'm thinking, no, it's not this. And, by and far my go, best. No, no, no. My worst investment was my best. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, between sixth and seventh grade, my parents said, if you read X number of books this summer before school starts, we'll give you $500. I said, absolutely. Knocked that goal out of the park, got my 500 bucks. My grandpa said, well, you got to invest that money. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, you're right. So he took me to the bank and I invested in a CD. Now, why? <laughs> why would you invest in a CD if you're that young? You should invest in stocks and so on. But I was so enamored. So it was a terrible investment. But I was so enamored that money that I earned then could earn money for me without me doing anything. I had this little book and I, from NBD Bank, and I'd write down every single <laughs> month the amount of interest that I made, and that that is paying dividends yeah. because that propelled me into into this career. career. So thank you, Grandpa. That's Terrible awesome. investment, but it's, it's paid <laughs> off. All right, Jack, uh, I mean, speaking of Grandpas, Jack asked a great question. It's a, it's a heartfelt question. I'm there. I am there, Jack. He's 59. He's from Goshen. I'm starting to become concerned about my parents' ability to manage their own finances. They're both in their 80s, and last time we were over, I noticed a few envelopes on their counter that said past due. We've never talked about money before. How do I start getting involved? Should I? Yes. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Get started uh, right now. Here's the deal. 95% of the people that get involved in their parent situation do a fantastic job. And there's a small percentage of people that don't. And there's a small percentage of people that get involved where they are then um, trying to weight the scales in their favor and, Mm. and do some things that shouldn't be done. So... So people are almost immediately leery of, hey, I'm getting involved. But I just have to tell you, we, we just, I just met, we, we serve some clients that are uh, a little younger than you, Jack. Mom is a little younger, maybe 75, 76, but she comes in and she's got all this stuff. And, and so it's very possible that your parents aren't, doing tax planning. Mm. Well, if they're not doing tax planning, and in this situation, 
mom had some stock from an insurance company. And back in the 90s and 2000s, there were a lot of insurance companies that demutualized, which basically means they went from being a mutual company to a stock company. When they did that, the folks that held those policies got stock. No one knows it, but they got them. Right. And mom didn't really even know what it was, but it was stock in an insurance company. It was worth $20,000 plus. And mom didn't pay a penny for that. So when that gets sold, it's all capital gains. Well, mom's capital gains rate is zero. You're, you're, you're addressing the planning point, and this is, that is critical because yeah. that's, that's pretty much everyone. You've got to make sure that your, your parents, as they're aging, yes. are still focused on what opportunities, what financial issues they need to take care of because if they don't take care of them, you have to, and it's going to be much worse either in missed opportunities or in problems that are created. And I mean, you go through one estate plan or one bad family member who passed away and not bad family member but someone who passed away and where it just didn't go the way it was supposed to it'll scare you enough where you will make sure your stuff's in order well don't wait you know assert yourself but if you're seeing this you know the past due and that that is uncharacteristic behavior i agree with kevin you've got to get involved you've got to assert yourself now i will caution you on one thing you've got to be tactful in how you do it because mom and dad might then if they're if they've reached the point where things are past due, they, they might be really suspicious about motives. And they might really, really be assertive in saying, no, we've got this, we've got this. So you've got to be very tactful in how you do it. But those are definite warning signs that y- you or someone need to get involved. Yeah, the, the first step is to get the communication lines open, right? Yeah. I mean, money is a topic that some families just do not talk about. There are some generations that saw that as maybe one of the most private things that you would never talk about, much less with your kids of all people. And, you know, hopefully helping your, your parents see how you can be a resource to them uh, is important. I, I would even come at it from the angle, a lot of times in, in a married couple, one spouse is handling most of the finances and the other may be largely in the dark. Mm-hmm. And what if the wrong spouse passes away first? Are you the person maybe who could be stepping in to, to bridge that gap for them? That's why it's just important to be clear about what your offer to them is. Is it just to be an extra set of eyes to keep tabs on due dates and things like that? Or are you offering to actually help them with managing the finance, going to certain financial uh, meetings with them, that sort of thing? Yeah, Jack, think about your parents at 80 and think about what's important to them. Freedom independence control that and so if your approach jeopardizes any of those things for your folks they may be resistant so be very very careful in how you approach them and make sure that you're keeping these things in place and helping your folks but i can tell you this it is one to ten fixing it now while they're alive versus fixing it after they're gone. No That's doubt. That's right. And, and don't be offended. Be all right if they choose a different sibling to disclose things to as well. Sometimes they want to minimize the number of people that just know what's going on in their financial life. Mm-hmm. The first thing, you know, there's just a little bit more we need we need to hit here because you, you should you get involved, we address that. But then how? Where do you start? I I feel pretty strongly about where, where you should start. So we've got that as well. Should you be concerned about your tax withholdings on your paycheck? 
What do you mean? They're just taking out withholdings like usual. No, not like usual. The game's changed. Do you need to do something about it? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory in the KFG Studios. If you've missed anything, well... I've got good news for you. Every episode we store, it's on the YouTube channel. You can find it by searching Wise Money Radio. Subscribe to it. Never miss another episode. You can also subscribe to the podcast. Yes, every show is on podcast. I hear, we heard from several fans of the show how they binge listened during a summer road trip. You might have one uh, traveling this fall. Feel free to do that as well. You can just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. And lastly, every show is also on the website, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there, and that's also a link right to the podcast episodes, each of them individual. You, you can listen online. We are hitting nothing but questions today, and we're just about done with, a, with an emotional question and, and a meaningful one from Jack. He's 59 from Goshen. If you missed it, here's what he asked. I'm starting to become concerned about my parents' ability to manage their own finances. They're both in their 80s, and last time we were over, I noticed a few envelopes on the counter that said past due. We've never talked about money before. How do I get involved, and should I? Well, we addressed the should I question head on. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, you want to share that quote again? Um, Leaders. Yeah, leaders have a bias towards action, Jack. So you want to get involved, and again, what we cautioned you about is having an approach that does not set the process back considerably. Mm-hmm. So be very, very careful remembering what's important to your parents. Control. And I always thought as you got older, you would care less about control. My experience is as folks get older, they care more about control. That's right. I Independence, that freedom, these things. Think about what's important to your folks and try to be very, very respectful of those things and honor your parents in this endeavor. But also offer to go with your folks to the financial planner's office to get these things all buttoned down and wrapped up and tied I, together. And so, so that you know, you'd expect you'd expect us to say something like that. But I, I'm actually going to go to the why. So, what's the first thing to do? How do you get started? You need to have a financial inventory for your parents. Yeah, you need to. Isn't that? Isn't that the number one mistake that you've seen people make is is when when they pass away, the kids or the other family members, I have no idea what they have. I don't know where it is. I don't know what the tax consequences are. I don't even know how I'd go about this. You need to have an inventory. We would call that a balance sheet or, an, or a net worth. The investment manager is not going to do that. Your investment advisor is not going to do that. Your comprehensive financial planner. Now, it's your CFP, but if your CFP just focuses on investments, they're not doing that. A comprehensive financial planner is doing that. So if mom and dad have that in their life, yeah, I would go with them. The I'd other thing that a, a certified financial planner will help make, uh, make sure is in place is your parents' estate plan. 
And this is a hard topic to, to talk about because it forces us to look at our own mortality and, uh, you, you know, think about uh, darker days and, and sad events, that sort of thing. But it's important to put some of these documents in place long before your parents pass away because they may have to do with giving authorizations to certain key family members or trusted people uh, to take action for them. I'm talking about things like a power of attorney or having a trust in place and naming trustees who could step in and manage their financial decision-making, their financial management for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of you getting involved to help them, you know, do it with them before you would ever do it for them. Um, That way they can see what your intentions are, how you're uh, assisting them, and the trust level stays high, as Kevin was saying. They don't feel like you're uh, encroaching upon their autonomy, their freedom, their sense of control. Yep. And so if we're doing some current events, Aretha Franklin just died, and did she have a will? No. No. Aretha Franklin did not have a will, and so she is among the nearly 60% of U.S. adults who do not have a will. So get... Get your get this estate planning piece done, and it is not it is not difficult if you um, if you need some help. And 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 Aretha Franklin didn't need a will; she needed a will and a trust and several other documents that you need as well. The media it does a great job of telling you that someone didn't have a will, so you think, oh, I need a will. No, you need an estate plan. You need an estate plan. And so you need uh, several documents. We've talked about it on the show several times. But for sure, she needed a trust. She needed a trust along with the will. All right. All right. Great question, Jack. Good Good luck. And, um, and okay. So Rhonda is 42. Great question. She's from Niles. Some people in my office where I work have been worried about how the new tax laws will impact them thinking that they are going to owe when they file their taxes, even though they said they usually get refunds. Is that true? Is that something I should be worried about? That's a great question. I, I, let me start. Let me start with my with my the three questions you always have to ask every time you get your taxes done. And the first, and so you're asking these at the beginning of the year. The first is, why did my tax return come out this way? Is it accurate? Do I understand why it came out this way? Second is, is there anything I can do about last year's return to make it look better? Okay, now it's the third question. That's exactly what Ron is asking. How's this year going to be different? And is there something that I need to be doing? What you didn't realize is, yeah, you might be working at the same place and you might not have filled out a new uh, tax form, W-4. But the tax laws have changed and therefore, the IRS changed the withholding tables, and so your withholdings have changed. And they've changed maybe in such a small amount on a weekly or a biweekly basis that you didn't even notice. Or maybe you noticed a little bit, but it was the same timing as a raise, and so you think you thought it was just the raise, but... That's, that's exactly right. So uh, most likely, if you're listening today, you are paying in less to the federal government now than you were back in January, certainly less than you did in 2017. And that may or may not be a problem for you, but it's definitely going to have some sort of an impact on what your tax picture is going to be. Th- this year is going to be different than 2017 for everybody. The question, though, is how is it different for you? 
And we've, um, you know, felt that this is such an important issue that we started our process of running tax projections with our clients much earlier this year. Months earlier. That's right. We want to get way out ahead of this issue because if there are adjustments that need to be made in your withholdings or strategies that need to be uh, dreamed up, you need time to do that. And so if, if you have not run a tax projection this year, you need to. Um, you need to do that in the context of your financial plan. A certified financial planner can work with a CPA to get that done for you. But what they're looking for is, are the, the changes to the tax laws, are they all positive for you? Are there some negatives, some things that you're giving up? And ultimately, what is your tax picture going to look like? Because now's the time to be taking action to improve it while there's still part of the year left to do so. Yeah, when I the just remember the the federal withholdings tables are new because of the tax law changes. So as Josh said, you're getting more money because when we were delivering taxes that were prepared for 2017 and looking at a rough projection, most people were looking at, hey, I'm going to be getting uh, a bigger refund or I'm going to be getting a refund for 2018. Well, guess what? That refund is coming to you either weekly or biweekly, <laughs> depending on how often you get paid. And and with taxes, most people just don't like surprises. And I was surprised this past week as I meet with a client, we we're going over a tax projection and he had owed a little bit of money last year, and he owes a lot of money this year. So it it is it was it was surprising to me. It was surprising to him. But once you're once you're equipped with good information and good data, you can then make good decisions, and that's yep. really what we want to equip people to do. You've got to get proactive about your taxes. If I was a rapper. That'd be my first song. You've got to get proactive. Okay, I'm getting the look. Bad dad joke there. Uh, <laughs> you you got to get proactive about your tax situation because I hate surprises too. What is a tax projection? What in the world is that? It's a an, a, an informed analysis of your pay stub and your income sources and therefore using that information to create a mock tax return so you can do two things. One, identify opportunities and to avoid surprises. And now there's still enough time. We're in the fall, officially. It's warm out, but it's we're in the fall. You've got to look because you still have time to avoid some surprises and maybe even capture some opportunities. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you for all the questions. Thanks for listening as, as well. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.